Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction audiobook series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Today's story, Unit 19, Part 3. Soul heard heavy metallic footfalls ringing out now. The real thing, no mistaking them. They were faint from the distance, but slow and steady. More than one person. Hold on, Guyeni said nervously. Looking again and... Crap! The guards are gone, Soul. That must be them. The young man almost spouted a nasty curse, but checked himself. The sound would carry in the atmo of the bay. He turned off suit floods and wedged himself into one of the narrow gaps between containers that he'd gone down before. It was still a tight squeeze, but he exhaled and slipped in even deeper than last time. From in there, the newcomer's metal footsteps sounded muffled, but they were definitely approaching. They threw no light at all from their suits or any hand torches, yet their movements, while measured, were not hesitant. They neither stopped stumbled nor bumped into anything. That meant they could see in the dark. Soul, are you okay? What do they look like? But the figures were just passing his adopted crevice by then, or at least that's what it sounded like, and he held his breath, was still holding it. Utter blackness. Footsteps dopplering close. Close, sir? Right there. And then they were moving away, slowly, carefully, taking their time. Soul, what's going on? They're looking for us, he breathed, so lowly he could barely hear it himself. How do they even know we're here? Ejok saw it in the log. Maybe someone else did too. He said some of the crew were involved. The gravity tech listened to the intruders moving toward the bow. My boss, Guyeni concluded. I told him right where I was, and he said to wait. Oh, this is bad. And, Soul, I'm, I'm really cold now. I have to come in. Can you get to another boat? I don't know. I'm untethered, and it's a big gap. Are those guys still in there? Yeah. It now sounded like the faint steps were coming from two different places. To cover ground more quickly, Guy remarked after he'd relayed that development. They won't be hanging around then if they don't find anything. But they'll see your hole in the tube if they go through the front lock. They'll know you're out there. I'm... I'm not sure what to do. Go aft. I'll cut another hole for you in the tube back there. We'll get aboard boat 34 and just keep running. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. On my way. 
Sol listened again. Now he couldn't hear any movement. The mercenaries had to be on the far side of the hold. He eased back out of the gap, slowly, blindly. Is there anyone in this boat? came an amplified voice from across the length of the close bay. We're emergency responders. We're here to help. The AGID tech didn't move. He was still barely breathing. There's nothing to be afraid of. If you can hear me, please come out. Then came the mic'd voice of his companion. It carried from inside the first man's helmet while his loudspeaker was still on. We're chasing mice here. Come on, this isn't the job we have to get... The voice cut off as the amplified man closed his suit's bullhorn. There was some clanging and shuffling sounds for a bit, then the airlock began its cycle. After about a minute of desperate listening, Sol heard a soft scrape as the forward pressure door opened. There were awkward footsteps, then a small hiss-clunk from the door closing again. Still he listened. Nothing. Sol, I'm at Stern. Are you there? Yeah, guy. I had to wait for those guys to leave. He popped on his floods again and moved out. Well, it looks like they cut their own hole to get in into the aft access tube. I'm right outside the lock now. Oh, here we are, Sol remarked then, as a notice popped up in his inbox with Ejok's name attached. That only took forever. He immediately pushed a copy of it out to Guyani. With voice commands, the gravity tech opened it and decompressed the file within. Then he had the suit's installed image processor center the photo and shrink it down to fit within his field of view inside the bubble. As promised, there was a grainy, monochromatic image of the boat's dorsal hull, showing two figures standing around a cowling that appeared to be on its side. The gunner had circled the spot he thought this corresponded to upon the accompanying schematic. A sloppy red oval enclosed a medium-sized square, which sat on another square and a circle. Squares and circles? A blotchy photo? This was useless. That's just a piece of a map, Guyani complained. Is it even for this boat? Supposed to be. Without annotations, there's no way to tell. Inside here, it looks like... Well... And he stepped around a tall row of industrial-style induction coils that just barely fit in the hold standing upright. There were at least 20 of them, strapped together tightly and anchored down. In the dimness, they looked like tin soldiers at attention. Tall, mute, imposing. He glanced back at the image file sent by the gunner. The open cowling. Could that be the square detailed on the map? Guy, you have a laser measure in your sensor rig, like I do, right? Yeah, on my wrist. What do you need? Can you tell me the exact distance of their work site, measured from stern? Hold on. I'll just raise up over the edge by a little... She was breathing hard. Her teeth might have been chattering. I'm getting 22.6 meters. 
Sol stood up against the tall coils, then stepped out into the narrow path between shipping containers. He pressed a few options on his own wrist device, pointed it at the bulkhead at stern straight back, and activated the invisible measurement laser. Its results popped into his helmet display. 21.4. Close enough. I'm going into the aft tube, Sol. I'm pretty exposed out here. Of course, yeah, I'll be right out. Directly above the silent toy soldiers ran serpentine power conduits, printed in place by huge, automated factory systems in a robotic shipyard somewhere in the galaxy. A place that likely cranked out cargo boats by the millions, each identical to this one. These channels were flat and integrated into the overhead, spidering out like circuitry from a rectangular plate above the bundled regiment. The plate bore a particular icon, a single horizontal line with an arrow pointing straight at it. A-G-I-D. It was a gravity cradle and system junction for the aft inertial dampeners. Yes, there were other things up there too, but... A familiar staticky burst. You guys there? Did you get it? Oh, hey, I can hear you. Guyani replied. But yeah, and yeah. These guys have guns. You didn't tell us that before. Didn't I? Sorry. Thought it was implied. Look, they may know you're in there. Way ahead of you, Sol put in. They've already swung through here looking, but I guess we're too much trouble to chase down. Are you coming out, Sol? Guy asked. If so, now's the time. Otherwise, I'll go on ahead. I, I have to get out of VAC. Of course. Don't wait for me. I think I know what they're doing. If they can disrupt inertials for this part of the boat, then Bellwind's next main drive burn will be a rough one. Rough? Ejok expostulated. With every other part of the ship free from inertia? It'll be chaos. I don't have a cargo manifest in front of me. What do you have in there? Um, heavy equipment loads and big cargo containers. If the ship makes any course changes, they'll tear loose and fly around in here like it's a blender. Might even rip through the hull. A polinium carapace is too tough for that, corrected the gunner. But the sudden shift in mass will almost certainly unbalance the boat, and thereby the unit. And as I said before, because of where 19 is placed in the mass cluster, the entire ship would follow. Command would have to separate each unit just to keep the trains from smashing into each other. People could get hurt. Sol stated. Or worse, and at the least all dockings and star jumps will be canceled. That's an RMA policy dictate. Root management authority, Guy exclaimed. Do they even have an office in this system? Not a substantial one, Ejok confirmed. So we'd be waiting for an inquiry. Bellwind would miss all its upcoming deadlines and the company would have to renegotiate or cancel every contract. The cruise will be a disaster, Sol remarked. Depends, Depends on your, on your point, point of view, of view, came an amplified voice from the dark. With nearly silent steps, two huge metallic figures emerged into Sol's irregular illumination. Wow, you guys are light on your feet when you want to be, he remarked in surprise. They're still in there? asked Ejok in his ear. We, we try, try, stated the other armored figure. Are, are you, you alone? alone? I am. Soul, Guyani called. What's happening? 
They'll need all this to look accidental, the gunner remarked intensely via the makeshift channel. That takes time. Play for it. We heard you talking to someone just now, but can't narrow down the frequency. Where are they? Not here, he replied. For their sake, that better be true, the first one said. This boat has some lousy technical standards. You mean the misaligned inertials? Yeah, see, I'm not so sure that's down to us. It'll look like it, the second stated emotionlessly. But the safeties would have to be bypassed, Sol pointed out. That's hard to cover up. And I heard you people moving something massive and bulky out there. Are you swapping out a perfectly good AGID gravity cradle with a tampered one? That would set off alarms all over the ship. There are tons of redundant status sensors attached to those things. You would need computer and other systems to be offline, or at least throwing enough errors to hide what you're doing. Keep them listening, Ejok encouraged tensely. Every second is a win for you. How can someone so smart be so dumb? The second one asked and raised his rifle. Sol just barreled on, hoping his deconstruction of events would be entertaining enough for them to hold their trigger fingers still. When everything goes really haywire and the ship falls apart, the RMA will investigate and eventually rule that Bellwind is at fault for poor maintenance. Neither figure seemed overly surprised nor concerned at all about his observations. Smart is the word, remarked the first one, in faux admiration. So, Guy asked him quietly, do you need a distraction? Yes, the AGID tech said aloud, smiling weakly. Yeah, the second one agreed. I'm impressed. Slugs? No, can't leave evidence we were here. Stunned. When the boat starts bucking, he'll just be some poor working stiff in the wrong place at the wrong time. Ain't that the truth? I should smash his skull when he's down, so we're sure. Sensible. Sorry, kid. It's only a job. A sudden clomp on the airlock behind made the two figures shift stances. The helmets of their powered armor were without transparent faceplates so their expressions and eye lines were unknowable. But they were clearly distracted for a moment, which was all the AGID technician needed. Yeah, Sol replied to them, touching his data pad. I have one of those too. Without any warning, the air itself rippled, and both armored figures flew upward like they'd been shot from cannons. They hurled into the solid metal of the overhead with a terrific concussion, slamming and splitting open as might steel barrels chucked from a high tower. No shouts of surprise, no attempts to hold on to something along the way or to right themselves. It had been much too fast. They hadn't flown up. They'd fallen down and at terrific speed. They lay still, all bent and crumpled upon the ceiling. The hefty shift in gravity, happening so close by, forced a stab of nausea, pure as pain, through the young technician's stomach. He gagged involuntarily, but the sensation was gone in just a moment. He took a deep breath, as if inhaling after a solid punch to the gut. Several of the tin soldiers squeaked precipitously as they shifted in their bracing harnesses. 
They looked ready to come loose under the terrific pull from above. Soul, are you okay? Guyeni cried. I felt the hull shake. You get them? Ejak asked quietly. Fifty G's vertical. I'd say so. He swiped his control back the other way, and the two mercs fell down with messy clangs and at normal velocity. He was ready for the stomach wretch this time and kept his breakfast in its place. The overhead inertial plates would have to have had their safeties turned off so the guys outside could change out the cradle. Grav is what I do. I just crank the level adjustments up to max. The wrecked sets of armor for the intruders were badly bent and had even been flattened in some spots. In fact, it was hard to tell what was what. They were leaking, too, but Sol didn't look any closer. Can you lock the others out of the system? Not directly. They have hands-on. The ship is still in danger. Maybe not, Guyeni responded. I'm back up by the dorsal crest. Nobody's out here anymore. The cowling's gone, and I don't know. The hull looks distended. Okay, that's weird, the gunner remarked. But confirmed. I'm looking at it with optics. Where would they go? Out to the black. Sol stated after a moment of consideration. Two blocks of metal that probably weighed several tons apiece in that gravity hit the hull right under their feet at a couple hundred kph. Just in my head, that could be, what, a million joules of energy from each? Magnetic boots would never hold. Those guys are long gone. Great work, Ejak exclaimed with a grin they could hear. Both of you. I'm still a prisoner back here, so you two better make your way to the Exotram and get up to the bridge. Someone has to explain all this. Come out this way, Sol, Guyeni advised. The nearest tram stop is back at boat 35. He acknowledged and turned to leave. Looky, Juck, the Gravtech complained while keying open the airlock door. I won't know what to say to them. How do we even explain this? Yeah, the young woman outside endorsed. Don't worry, they'll guide you through it, one step and one question at a time. You'll be good at this before it's done. All three of us will be telling the story over and over. Ship-offs will need to hear it, local system authorities, RMA, probably Alliance Fleet, too. Are we in trouble? Guy asked, sounding worried again. <laughs> Not as much as we were two minutes ago. The man laughed, and in a burst of static, he was gone. You have been listening to Unit 19, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. You can also check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com and sign up for my newsletter. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. 
The Unit 19 theme is called Reckless by Dysfunctional Al and is available on dig.ccmixter.org. Unit 19 is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person, living or dead, nor any particular place or situation. This story is copyright 2017 by the author and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Thank you for listening. Take care.